Sabai Di, broadcasting from the banks of the Mekong in Luang Prabang, this is Radio Okpap Tok, the podcast that crisscrosses the globe, taking roads less traveled. We meet with pioneers in the world of folk art, change makers in travel and tourism, and innovators in remote communities. Join me as we delve into the minds of these custodians of culture. Radio Okpap Tok is a project of Okpap Tok, a weaving and textile company founded by women, run by women, for the women of Laos. And now, if you're looking for inspiration and where to travel, you've come to the right place. All aboard, let's go. The integration that I see uh, that has followed me over the years is trying to uh, kind of disrupt uh, industry that has for a long time, put the power away from the makers. You just heard Jeremy Fritzhand. Jeremy calls himself a business catalyst, and indeed he's been a spark who ignites change. Originally from Ohio State in the United States, Jeremy is now living and working in Bagru, which is located about 30 minutes south of Jaipur. Bagru is the hub of Rajasthani block printing. Stroll around this bustling artisan hamlet and you'll see long meters of freshly printed and dyed cotton and muslin drying in open courtyards and hanging from rooftops. In spite of the din and activity, the block printers here will tell you that they still struggle to make ends meet. Jeremy found himself immersed in a community and a craft that was at a crossroads. In order for the younger generation to inherit and evolve the craft, something had to change. One of the most pressing issues Jeremy faced was that of cultural appropriation. Jeremy explains this issue and tells us how he and a group of women block printers banded together to create Mahila Prints, a new enterprise model that puts the power back into the hands of the maker. So let's head to Bagru and meet Jeremy. Sabaidi, Jeremy, welcome to Radio Akbap Talk. How are you today? I'm good, Sabaidi, or as we say in India, Namaste. Namaste. Kaise ho? Tiku, tiku. Ab kaise ho? Maybe tiku. Well, we better switch to English now. Okay. Um, so, Jeremy, we see you as an innovator, someone in your field who's doing things differently and shaping the world for the better. What does innovation mean to you? To me, uh, innovation means kind of going against the grain and trying to think outside the box. Innovation um, to me also means that you have to be ready for failure. And so you have to keep innovating. Back in 2010, Jeremy co-founded Studio Bagru, a startup that allows designers to bypass industry middlemen and collaborate directly with designers. Now, 10 years later, Jeremy is the co-founder of Mahila Prints, which addresses the big and often confusing issues around cultural appropriation. You see, for as long as anyone can remember, the big giants of fast fashion, international sourcing companies, and up-and-coming designers have commissioned block print fabrics from Bagru. Sometimes the arrangement is fair. Often it's not. Designs were and continue to be used freely with little attention to proper consent, credit, and compensation. 
With guidance from the Cultural Intellectual Property Rights Initiative, Jeremy and his team drafted an innovative system of licensing and extending intellectual property rights to village artwork. Let's hear more about this. One of the things when I looked at your website, I saw that you have a design library, which includes yes. original print mm-hmm. designed by the women artisans you who were born and raised in Bagru. So, and next to each design is a copyright mark. Yeah, that's right. And that's really interesting to me because I think, you know, we, we think of that copyright mark as something very modern, something, you know, affiliated with technology, with big brand companies, and not necessarily with the artisan community. So mm-hmm. what was the impetus to create Mahila Print? Mm-hmm. And why did you decide to give artisans a protected copyright? Sure. And why was that the right thing to do? So um, actually, this has kind of been the culmination of nearly 10 years of um, immersion in Bogru and working in this industry of uh, fashion, textiles, and apparel, uh, and dealing with, uh, you know, the myriad problems that are faced by different stakeholders of the supply chain. In 2016, I had the uh, opportunity to collaborate with a New York-based designer named Petra Valentova, And she developed a workshop style uh, that we've come to call these design skills training. So in these workshops, she introduced the uh, women to um, cyanotypes or this solar paper that could be used to make different types of motif. And from those designs and motif, they were scanned into a computer and Petra uh, arranged them into uh, what we considered marketable design. And another um, chance encounter uh, with Monica Moisson, who is the founder of the Cultural Intellectual Property Rights Initiative in 2018, led us to discuss in farther detail, how could we take this workshop model and uh, then how could we protect these designs and create a new model of collaboration and business. A lot of these issues, we didn't realize that there was, uh, you know, legal precedence and legal protections that these artisans uh, have rights to uh, until we actually uh, met Monica. And so she was able to... um, educate us about, you know, why they deserved these things, why we should use a copyright. Like you asked, you know, why do we, why do we keep a copyright symbol next to these designs? Uh, so, you know, drawings as creation are art and they're protected by copyright. Uh, and the designs that are shown on the website are actually the drawings of these women artisans that are partners of Mahila Print. When when Petra came to Bagru and held these design workshops, these all of these designs were created from drawings. Uh, so it's their copyright. They created those drawings. The drawings then, you know, were transformed into blocks and printed onto fabric. It's the same as uh, as if a uh, a painter 
that has a copyright on their paintings or a graphic designer that has, you know, copyright on their graphic designs. That's why we use the copyright symbol. It's legally how copyright works. And that's the guidance that we receive from Monica uh, and the Cultural Intellectual Property Rights Initiative. For those of you who might not know much about Bagru or block printing, let me catch you up a bit. About 400 years ago, the Rajput king Jai Singh II built Jaipur from ground up. In order to do this, he brought in artisans from around the country. Jaipur became an artisan center, and even today, the old city is teeming with labyrinth corridors full of karigars, or artisans plying their trade. Of course, the noblemen and new citizens needed textiles, so a group of people known as chippas, or artisans known for block and resist dye printing, migrated from the Deccan Plateau and settled along the banks of the Sanjeri River, about 30 kilometers southwest of Jaipur. The Chippa Mohalla, or Chippa Quarter of Bagru, are descendants of these migrant artisans, and they have continued this tradition uninterrupted for the past four centuries. In addition to block printing, Bagru is also known for dabu, or resist dye printing using clay or mud from the river. And it's also known for an iconic black and rust tint, which differentiates it from other block printing settlements in the region. The craft of block printing is a communal affair. Men typically carve the blocks and do the bulk of dyeing. Both men and women work as block printers, which requires tremendous precision particularly when a design requires several layers of colors. Over time, women have become more involved. Let's go back to my conversation with Jeremy, where he tells us more. So is it typical for women to create original drawings or original patterns for block printing, or is that also um, a new development that came about from Mahila Print? So a lot has changed in the last 50 years in Bogru. Uh, as India really opened up for trade and more and more um, brands from outside of India, designers from outside of India started to source in India, a lot of the traditional design process was lost because the demand increased for custom designs and new designs. Uh, so over the years, they've had a lot of outside influence and they have lost a lot of the traditional design process. Uh, there are designs that are uh, recognized in Bagru as, you know, three or 400 years old. However, due to the demand for, you know, new types of designs and uh, international trends in fashion, a lot of those traditional designs um, have been put on the wayside. Traditionally, we could say there might have been uh, design creation from, from the women uh, and other members of the community, um, the way that the market has evolved over the last few decades has prevented that uh, kind of indigenous design to continue blossoming. We wanted to stimulate the market uh, and to support the women and the artisans um, by you know, giving them the creative freedom so that they were more involved in the projects instead of just receiving orders from uh, a buyer and printing whatever designs uh, were ordered. 
because doing this, involving them in the process, it gives them, you know, immense amount of joy and happiness to see their creative work that generates value and revenue. It's extremely empowering. And it's something that, uh, you know, especially this artisan production and craft production in India needs. Because for too long now, these artisans have been reduced to factors of production or laborers. And that's simply not accurate. There is a lot of creativity and a huge amount of traditional knowledge involved in this process. Once... um this idea sort of sort of brewing between you and Petra and Monica, how did you rally the artisans to get involved? We pitched the idea first, uh, you know, to have Petra come. Uh, it's almost been five years now and experiment with this new type of design workshop that involves the artisans into the creative process. And from those workshops, uh, you know, it turned into actual fabrics. And from those fabrics, it turned into actual products. And from those products, it turned to sales and increase uh, revenues. So I took an opportunity to speak with Sushila Chippa and her daughter Poonam. Both are part of the Mahila Print Collective. The women are shy and not really accustomed to reflecting on their experience. Nonetheless, they kindly indulged my probing questions and shared some thoughts. We spoke about the workshops led by Petra, the designer Jeremy mentioned earlier. Petra's workshops involve taking the women on nature walks around Bagru. They stroll fields waist-high in millet and mustard. They meander the banks of the Sanjeri River under the shade of tamarind and acacia trees. They took their time. This was a whole new experience for the women who are often pressed for time balancing work inside and outside the home. Here you'll hear Poonam talking about a typical day where she begins with domestic work and then goes to work as a chipai or block printer. She adds that the workshops with Petra were tremendously enjoyable and useful. और रोज सुबह जाती है और शाम को वही टाइम से आती है फिर घर का काम करती है छपाई उनके लिए जरूरी है मुझे बहुत अच्छा लगा उसमें काम करके मुझे कुछ सीखने को मिला और आगे औरतों को और भी कुछ सीखने को नया मिलना है फॉर सुशीला द मोस्ट नोटेबल बेनिफिट टू वर्किंग विद महिला प्रिंट इज द एबिलिटी टू वर्क फ्रॉम होम in this segment, she says working from home allows her to learn and teach. It is a collaboration that it accommodates and supports the demands of her domestic life. At the end, she says, only if we learn new things can we move forward. You know, one thing you had mentioned in one of our earlier conversations was that um, you you view this as a startup and you've brought this whole like startup ethos into a traditional craft that has um, old ways of patronage, um, 
a classic business model that was associated with it. Why is the startup business culture relevant in this very traditional village um, setting? I, I think that this startup kind of ethos um, and the way that we've kind of um, progressed with this business model is extremely beneficial for um, not just like the collaboration model that we have, but also for the times that we're living in. Like we were talking about earlier in innovation, why is it important to innovate? Things are changing so fast. You have to be so nimble on your feet, uh, ready for anything. And that kind of startup mentality prepares you for that. So while this is a very traditional craft, it's kind of been thrust into this 21st century, fast moving online society that we're all living in. And so in order to um, you know, innovate and survive in that environment, uh, you need that startup mentality. And a startup mentality, um, basically means ve being very, in my opinion, transparent and open, uh, accepting of different people's point of views, inclusive of different people's opinions, and considering all different standpoints. Like the concept we have of equity across the supply chain. Uh, previously, it was almost a pyramid structure where at the top were these designers and brands and at the bottom were the actual makers who were making these products and bringing those designers, um, you know, creations uh, to life. And so we wanted to even the playing field. And that is just one of the innovations that we've come up with is making sure that each member, each stakeholder of that, uh, of our supply chain is viewed equally. Nobody is more important than the other. And whether you're a designer, a maker, uh, or somebody in between, it's really important that we hear from each member in order to understand what the uh, concerns are, what comments there are, because that also adds to the creative process. When we collaborate in this way, we come up with innovation automatically. It's effortless. <laughs> Can you tell me a little bit about what it was like sort of landing in Bagru and what drew you in? And yeah, sure. Um, there? Yeah, it was um, completely eye opening. It was, um, you know, an experience that totally changed my life. And it really put into perspective the what's important in life and, you know, what should be valued. Um, the community that I, you know, moved, moved in with um, just had such a different perspective of life and a value on everyday living. I remember thinking that, you know, people kind of lost touch with, for me, it was um, actually, it was a very, I would say therapeutic process. It, it kind of helped me shed all of those layers of uh, what I'd come to know about life. And it helped me to recenter myself. Not just that, the community like welcomed me with open arms and everybody was so accepting of me being there. 
uh, inviting me to, you know, family events or holidays, uh, bringing me into their homes. Feeding you lots of jalebis. Yes. Uh, I mean, the food uh, nourished my soul, you could say. The next generation was very apprehensive about continuing this work. It really made it so easy for me to become creative as well and to think of innovative solutions um, to these issues that they were having of appropriation, of access to market, of cost pressures from the buyers, um, of contracts even, um, and setting up businesses, uh, exporting their textiles, branding, marketing, all of these subjects, it flowed freely because I was in such a comfortable position. It felt like I was at home. So how has the community changed, you feel like, since you've been there? So when I first arrived in Bogru, there was a lot of concern about block print as a dying art. And mm -hmm. the fact that these artisans had been paid basically the same amount for the last two decades. They wanted to move to cities, uh, get computer or internet jobs was the big topic. So that actually was one of our main focuses in the beginning was to fix that pricing model so that more of the earnings were going back to the actual makers. Yeah, I think that that's, you know, that's a really good point because so many people you know, whether it's consumers or designers or marketers talk about um, the importance of handmade, the importance of um, maintaining cultural traditions, but, you know, it's not valued properly in the marketplace. And so I feel like, you know, the model that you've created is really refreshing and, and also really useful, you know, because it gives young people a reason to continue the craft, to innovate with it, to progress it. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that there's been a huge benefit from these direct collaborations. It's also become a lot easier for designers to travel to India to work in the actual homes of these makers. They, they realize that it's not necessary to, nece to go through uh, a network of um, intermediaries uh, and agents, now mm -hmm. they can find people online and, you know, buy a ticket and, and come to India. Uh, it's not so uncommon. Thanks to different movements that are um, supporting slow fashion and makers and, and craft communities, um, independent designers are now becoming a lot more common and successful. So these big brands, these big fast fashion brands that have almost uh, destroyed the whole industry, it's now become uh, apparent that that model will no longer be acceptable to the consumer. The consumer is becoming more intelligent and educated, and they're becoming more aware about the money they're spending. And they realize that instead of giving the money to one of these big corporations, it's much better if they support the smaller makers, the independent designers, and the people that are working in tr transparent ways and ethical business practices.
And this wraps up our show for today. Please take a look at the Mahila Print website to see the ways in which they collaborate with designers and companies. And if you're curious about cultural intellectual property rights, check out the website of the Cultural Intellectual Property Rights Initiative. Links are in the description of this episode. If you head to Jaipur, drive down to Bagru and take a block printing class with Studio Bagru and check out Mahila Print. Eat some samosas and jalebis with Jeremy. Wander the bazaars in Jaipur's old city. This is iconic India. And now a quick word about our sponsor, Okpaptok. Based in Luang Prabang, Okpaptok is a pioneering social enterprise that works with artisans across Laos. Like Studio Bagru and Mahila Print, Okpaptok loves to connect with travelers by offering classes in silk and bamboo weaving, dyeing, embroidery, and batik at their living craft center overlooking the Mekong River. Check out Okpaptok's work and their online shop in the links provided in the description of this episode. Thank you again for listening in and kapchai lai lai!